Praise the Lord. What a great honor in our life to be able to worship Him and love Him. We know there's lots and lots of people that worship, but yet we don't want to just worship. We want to worship in spirit and in truth. St. John 4, the Lord Jesus introduced something that had never been said and quite phrased the way that he did it, and that was that the true worshipers would worship God in spirit and in truth, which is totally impossible for the Jews to do. All they had was the law, the legal side. So the spirit of the word, they didn't even have it. I think that God wanted to make a way that true worshipers would be able to come not only with the truth, we want the truth, right? But also have the spirit of truth. It's something that people don't realize, I think, sometimes, that both truth and error have spirits that motivate them. So there's a spirit of truth and there is a spirit of error. Have you ever talked to people before and you show them scriptures and you show them quotes and things like that? And it seems like it makes no difference at all. When you get done talking to them, they believe exactly the same thing they did before. You think, why in the world can't you see that? That's what the Bible says. That's what the message says. I know, I know, I know, but I still believe this and this and this. Makes you feel so sorry for them. What does me? Because you realize that they're hearing the truth, but they don't have the spirit of the truth that goes with it. Oh, let's, let's just bow our heads together and worship him a little bit. My Heavenly Father, we are gathered here today with thanksgiving in our heart, and we're just so thankful, Heavenly Father, for all the many things that you've done for us. We thank you for every trial that you and your wisdom allow to come our way. We thank you, Lord, for the testings of life. We thank you, Lord Jesus, that your people will be a tried people that will be far above rubies and gems and gold and things like that. We know sometimes it might be difficult for us as we go through them. Lord, hearing from people around the world almost every day and uh, prayer requests for this and that and some of them so desperate and so serious and you don't move for them, Lord, there's no way for them to come out of it. And yet we hear you move and you turn right around and turn that trial and that test into a testimony. We're so thankful that we're serving a living God today. We desire, Heavenly Father, as we come here to assemble ourselves together today, set aside this resurrection morning, that we might be able to praise and adore and love and worship you. But we come also, Lord, with needs, desires, and requests in our hearts. Lord Jesus, we're concerned of family members, maybe friends, or going through hard times or sick or whatever it is. We also have our own needs today. Maybe some are standing here discouraged about many things of life. They don't know what they're going to do about this or that. But we believe you're mindful of us, so we're calling on your great name. We ask you today, Father, that you would help us. Help me that I can get out of the way, Lord, that I can just surrender my human instrumentality to you, and you can use me. I need you, Lord Jesus. Although I've been doing this since I was just a boy of 18 years old, I still realize what a desperate thing it is for a man to stand and to say he's speaking on God's behalf. Help me, Father. Help me. Give me the words, Lord Jesus, of life. Speak to each heart today. Heal the sick. Encourage those that are weary. Grant it, Father, we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Watch turn around. Just shake hands and so I and tell them it's good to be in the house of the Lord.
Amen. Just move out of your place there a little bit and just tell them it's, it's good to be in the house of the Lord. Praise the Lord. I mean, he's glad you're here. I've heard people say, boy, I'd rather be here and be in the jail. My goodness, you mean that's the best we can do? You'd rather be here and be in prison, right? I'd rather be here than any place else I know of on earth except for heaven. Amen. There is no better place, I don't think, for us to be able to be gathered together than the house of God. Let's turn uh, today again to the book of Mark, if you would, chapter 16. I want to speak to you again today, the Lord helping us on the bride's bill of rights. How many of you have looked this week on what your bill of rights is as far as naturally? Some of you probably stand there last week and you thought, oh my goodness, here I am, an American citizen. I don't even know what's mine. Anybody look? None of you don't care. Okay, all right. All right. Okay, so you don't even care. My iPad here is kind of going crazy. I've had one of the office mornings that's ever was. So I figure the Lord is really going to do something for us. I got to church and realized I didn't have a belt on, so I had to call my son-in-law and have him drop me a belt by. Then I get up, my iPad's going absolutely nuts, so that's a really good sign. Amen. Also, I'd like to announce today that Sister Kate Bitten and Brother Taylor Shockley got engaged this week, so we want to wish them a congratulations. Mark chapter 16, verse 17. And these signs might, every now and then, uh, just in the apostolic age or in the first few years, these signs shall follow them that believe. In my name shall they cast out devils. They shall speak with new tongues. They shall take up serpents. And if they drink any deadly thing, it shall not harm them. They shall lay their hands on the sick and they shall recover. Luke chapter 10, verse 19. Behold, I give unto you power to tread on serpents and scorpions and over all the power of the enemy. And nothing shall by any means hurt you. And the church said, Amen. God bless you. You may be seated. Let me remind you again today of what your Bill of Rights is as far as an American citizen. The Bill of Rights guarantees the liberty of the individual and limits the power of government in judicial and other proceedings. The U.S. Bill of Rights was ratified in 1791, and it guarantees, among many other things, the rights of of free speech. Now, this is the First Amendment to the Constitution. They later identified it as the Bill of Rights, and this is what they wanted to call it. So it was granted to us in 1791. Freedom of speech, freedom of religion, and trial by jury. There were initially 10 amendments in this, and they called it the Bill of Rights. Since then, since 1791, There have been 17 more amendments that's been added to that. Some states, of course, all states have to gather together, have a ratification vote to be able to make it happen. 
But as I begin to read this this week, and I won't go through all 27 to tell you what they are, but as I read what they were, and I looked down at them, and I saw how that they had progressed. As we know, whenever our nation become uh, separate from England, and we had to fight and war and be able to get our liberty, then our founding fathers wanted to have a government that would be different than what it was in England. They had under the power of the crown, the king could do or queen pretty much whatever they wanted to do to the commonwealth or the constituents in their kingdom. But our fathers, when they came here and they fought and they was able to establish uh, a kingdom or a nation like this, which had never been anything like it on the earth before. I, I love it myself, don't you? Well, those of you that don't, I reckon you can leave. <laughs> you can go to Switzerland or somewhere. But it, to me, it's, it, it's one of the greatest nations on the earth, even in its darkness and the chaos that's around it. And no doubt they thought it would never last because it was something that had never quite been seen. But I personally believe it was the Spirit of God that moved on our founding fathers and anointed them to be able to give us this, which another nation had never given to its peoples. Uh, one reason I believe is because God knew the United States would be a principal part down through the ages from that time on, especially ending up at the end time, that the U.S. would be a principal part in evangelization of the world, especially with the message of the hour. Now, God could have done whatever he wanted. He could have chose Germany. He could have chose France. But yet, one day, whenever we look back and realize what a great part that the United States has played in bringing the message of the hour. Now, what if Brother Random would have been a Ugandan? Or Brother Branham would have been a Kenyan. Now myself, it wouldn't make no difference to me whether the man was black, white, pink, or yellow with polka dot stripes on it. It wouldn't make no difference to me because I personally have no problem with race. I don't care what color a man is. But yet God allowed this prophet to be born out of this nation. Now we know that she's one of the most wealthy nations in the world and all the gross national product and all the things that are there. She's not doing too good right now and we know definitely she's doing going down. But if God would have allowed our prophet to have been born in some of the poorest nations around the world, Sudan, which is now facing, look like, the major corruption of a civil war, and even our embassies now having to be the people emptied out this very day. And we know that this type of unrest has been a lot of the third world countries. So how would the message have ever got out? But God chose this nation. Now, he didn't just choose her that she would be one of the most wealthy in all the world. He didn't just choose her so she would be able to dominate the world as a superpower. And she's done that for many years, although she's losing that image right now, and our enemies well understand it. But yet God chose her to me for a greater purpose than just the money and the wealth and the superiority that she would gain over the years. But God had a purpose in this nation and being able to spread forth the gospel. Now we know that Wesley even coming from England, but yet John Wesley come to the United States and got a great lot of influence and a great lot of learning, of course, because of the things that he went through. So going back home, then 
Wesley was able to take part of the American experience back home with him and it helped finalize what this second work of grace would be presented to the world. Again, God could have chosen England if he wanted to, but God chose America. Now, it, to me, it's not just a happenstance, but God himself ordains that. Well, now, we know that the message has crossed the English Channel twice and God, of course, chose different parts of the world by which he would progress his truth. And in the end time, Satan moved his headquarters to the west, the western side of our own nation, which was, of course, from Hollywood. Now, if Satan would do that, then Satan had a little bit of insight to what God was going to do. Now, if Satan knew that God was going to have chosen Europe, if God was going to have chosen uh, Africa, Asia, whatever more, to lead the world, and the majority of the gospel would come out of that, I guarantee you Satan would be his headquarters would be set up today in Beijing or in Tokyo or wherever it was around the world. Why did Satan choose Hollywood? Why did Satan move to the West Coast? Because somehow he had an insight into the divine providence of God that God was going to use this nation. And from this nation would come the prophet of God, but not only the prophet, but years after he was gone, but out of this nation, God would use the churches and the ministry and even coming from Jeffersonville that out of there would spearhead not only the prophet himself, but the prophet's message. Now, how we thank God for the prophet himself, but most of us never even got to see the man. Is that right? So what do we hold on to? The message that God gave the man. Well, how do we know the message? Well, thank God, it's not just by uncle so-and-so said so-and-so and my grandpa said so-and-so, but God knew that it must be that the message would be put into book, into tape, into MP3, into digital format. I'm grateful for that myself. Now, you know where a lot of this spearheaded from? Our own country. A part of it, our own church. Where did it come from? A lot of those that if it would have been dependent on many of the brothers and sisters from the third world countries, we would still be many, many years behind. Which means a lot of us would be more spiritual regress than what we are. Because we have to have the word in order to feed on the word. Well, I've got the Holy Ghost, yeah? And the Holy Ghost itself feeds on the word of the hour. So we must have it. So where does a lot of the works come from? Now, I don't know if you understand this or not, but even in a lot of the conventions around the world, God has chosen to use a lot of American brothers. Now, that's not to, to demoralize or to do away at all with any of the other brothers in the other parts of the world. But for whatever reason, God has chosen this place. And to me, had this nation been founded as a communistic country, had it been founded as an imperialistic, country or a country under a monarchy, our restrictions of liberty and travel and so on could have been greatly affected. So our founding fathers were led by the Spirit of God. You believe that? I believe that God allowed them, even with government and enterprise, and I know you may not like it, but let me tell you something, I prefer it way, way more than I would socialism. And God knew there would have to be people around the message that he 
could bless financially that they would be able to help propagate the message. So if all of us would have been people that just live from hand to mouth, as we say, and we go from paycheck to paycheck, then I wonder how far the message and the churches and books and so on and so on, how far would it have reached around the world? Because the majority of us could have never done that. So God actually allowed people that was pretty witty when it would come to business and they would be able to get out there and make all kinds of money but they wouldn't keep all of it for themselves but they would have a burden to be able to print and to be able to make uh, mp3s and cds and so on and so on and so on why because God wanted to get the message out to reach the bride around the world had it been in a nation where we could have not done that under socialism or under some other type of control other than democracy then it could have been so hindered so the angels of the Lord when they go about manipulating over the top of the political schemes of Satan and then every age that he's always been there God ordained that our nation be birthed and founded on the principles of democracy I know we don't talk that much about it and y'all are probably thinking what in the world is wrong with brother Donnie that he's talking about democracy I want to open your eyes this morning you ought to thank God you live in a free nation not only for your own liberties and for your own freedoms but because of our freedoms and our liberties God has been able to use people from the east coast to the west coast of this nation the north and the south to be able to propagate this truth in order to bring in the last seed now being friends with preachers around the world and when us preachers get together we will often say it this way that the last seed will be one of the most expensive endeavors that's ever been accomplished on the face of the earth because it will take such an outreach to reach them in the darkest parts of Africa it will take the spirit of God and God may send one man over here and the trip may cost $5,000 another man over there and the trip may cost 10000 they may not win hordes to Christ they may win one person one person in Sumatra whose name is on the book of life maybe a half a dozen in Indonesia and some in Hong Kong and some here that and there and if there was not people that God had blessed to be able to support the work we would never get out of here but thank God that he moved upon Thomas Edison John Quincy Adams a lot of our founding fathers thank God for people like Daniel Boone and people like that that was able to blaze this oh we get in our car and drive across the interstate we don't think nothing about these guys walking around but I'm grateful for every one of them that did it they risked their alive. Now you believe whatever you want to believe. I believe it was the spirit of God driving those men. Why were they not satisfied with 13 colonies? Why were they not satisfied when they moved into 13 states? Why must they keep pushing, pushing, pushing? I'm glad they pushed because there's some seed going to be in California. There was some seed going to be in Arizona, some seed in Utah, some seed in Oregon, some seed in Washington. I'm glad. You see God's people that really catch the vision of the hour they are always visionaries among them and they're never satisfied with their little four walls and their little 25 or 30 and their congregation because they believe God is a God of the whole universe and that God's got people around everywhere and he wants to reach them well I don't know about you I still feel the same way today 
If God wants to reach out, my brother Jack Benton sitting here and been in some of the most remote parts of the world, able to go out and preach the gospel, paddle up and down streams that would scare most of us to death. But why would he do it? Because God ordained him. And God gave him the ability and then God gave means financially of people that would be able to support it, to carry it out. Thank God for our American Bill of Rights. But let me say, oh, how how grateful I am as a U.S. citizen that I have the rights so far that I can stand here today and preach from the dictates of my heart. You can sit there and say amen to it. Is that right? And yet there's many nations around the world that do not have this liberty today. They cannot do it. The government will not allow it. And yet many of them can be thrown in jail, but thank God as for right now, we still have these rights. And as much as I love them, but they would fail in comparison to compare to what the Lord God has given us as his people. Now, not only are we saved and not only are we sanctified, but God God has given us a bill of rights as we believe being the elect and the bride of Christ that supersedes beyond just salvation. Oh, how grateful we are for salvation. How grateful we are for the power of the blood and the power of the cross. But yet we know to a real elect member of the body of Christ that the cross is the bridge that takes you across the gap and the cavern by which the mercy of God opens up as Paul said that there would be an entrance opened up. Now to many, salvation is all they want. That's as far as they will ever go. Will they be saved? They will. They will come up through the tribulation period. They will be purged and the roads will be made clean and white, washed of course by the purging of the tribulation period. But to the elect of God, to Abraham's seed, Abraham was never satisfied just living over in a poor land, the land of the Chaldees and the land of Ur. And why not stay there. Why leave and walk all of them hundreds of miles? Remember, he couldn't call an Uber. He could not call U-Haul to come and pick him up, but the man must walk. He must walk through difficulties and trials and tests as you and I must walk. This thing will not be easy for us. Can we say amen? It will not be handed to us on a silver platter. But you know what? The people of God have never expected spiritual handouts. They've never really expected everything to be handed to them on a silver platter but they are willing to fight for it. They are willing to face hell. They are willing to face opposition and trouble and sad times and resentment. They're willing to go through whatever they have to go through in order to stand for Jesus Christ and his word. Anybody with me today? I want you to think now if our fathers being led by the Spirit of God and you know for many years that they would set a seat there and when they signed the Declaration of Independence and they set that chair there for who? The unseen guest, Almighty God. Oh, what a time it was when they prayed. What a time it was in our nation whenever they would begin the Congress and so on and so on. Even have it printed on our money so far in God we trust. Well, for the most of those that that passes through their hand, they don't even believe that in the first place because they don't even trust in God. Wouldn't surprise me eventually if they don't try to take it away. But you know what? Uh, That does not change our liberties as the people of God. 
And I hope you understand what I'm fixing to say that really on our side in Christ's providential army, it is the conquered that's really the conquerors. It's the conquered that's the real conquerors. On Satan's economy, it's the conquerors that become the conquered. It's the very opposite of what Christ says. You see, in order for us to be able to conquer in this day, we ourselves must be conquered. What do you mean, Brother Donnie? We've got to be conquered by Christ himself. But those out here in the world, politicians, preachers, churches, whatever more, that are not conquered by the love of the Lord Jesus and their whole lives and beings given to him, they themselves will be conquered by the great conqueror Christ. Oh, I don't want him conquering me that way. Second Thessalonians tells us in the last day that he will come as a flaming sword will come out of his mouth. John saw him in Revelation 1.8 and the sevenfold personage of his glory and the was a great sword as it was coming out of his mouth and with it he will slay the nations I want to be slayed right now I want my nature my desires anything that's unlike the Lord Jesus anybody understand I want to be conquered by him now but I want to be conquered by his love I don't want to be conquered by his wrath you see in the tribulation period Christ the mighty conqueror will come again and he will conquer but he will not conquer by love but he will conquer by his own judgment and justice I don't want that myself if you choose that it's up to you but I want the mercy of God so in that the Lord God unlike our founding fathers once the government had been established for a few years and they go from 1776 to 1791 then they begin to realize there were certain things that they left out of the original constitution and they wanted to make sure because it's like they were learning as they went as our lawmakers still to this very day want to try to bring up amendments. I'm not sure if you know it or not but there's actually been hundreds of amendments that comes before our Congress and the body of lawmakers and actually sometimes every year there will be a hundred or more that they will try to add to the Constitution. Now they still have the power, you know to be able to amend the Constitution so they call it an amendment. Well, you know, since they have the power and our government is controlled by the devil and controlled for the most part by wicked men. All they've got to do is make another amendment here and an amendment there and they make one and then they override the second one which is your right to bear arms. Or they make another amendment which will override your very first one which is the freedom of speech, the freedom of religion. Come on now church. So they have the power to amend to it. But I'm so glad that our God didn't have to rethink his amendments. I'm so glad that he didn't say, well, you know what? I'm kind of learning a little bit more about these human beings. I'm learning a little bit more about this situation, so I think I'm kind of going to change my program. I'm going to have to make it a little bit different, because now I realize Laodicea is going to be so bad, and it's going to be so indifferent. I started my church out the way I wanted it, but I realized that ain't going to work in the last days. I'm going to have to make an amendment to my original cause and to my original 
Bill of Rights because really I started it out to be an apostolic church. I started out to where everybody would have the Holy Ghost. But I realized in Laodicea it's going to be so bad. I'm going to have to change all that. And I, I, I'm not going to have my sons to be able to preach on holiness anymore because women won't want to live it and men won't want to live it. And it's going to be so bad and the power of the devil is going to be so strong that I'm just going to have to accept into my kingdom every liar, every drunk, every whoremonger, every thief. Well, that's the way a lot of people preach it today. That God has lowered his standards. God ain't lowered his. We lowered ours. Well, praise the Lord. So with our Bill of Rights, then there are guarantees that come with it. But there's also, of course, responsibilities. And there's also a knowledge that is required of us. So if someone comes against us and the government tries to pursue us and they want to bring a, you know, us, us before a jury or a court trial or whatever more, it would pay us to know our rights. You agree with me? So what if then the enemy, our enemy, Satan himself, he tries to attack us on our bill of divine rights but yet we don't know what's in it so what's mine well I I don't know I mean I'm a Christian so isn't that enough no if that's all you'll know he will exalt what he knows above what you know and he'll take what's rightfully yours away from you so don't you think would it just make common sense for us as the people of God to want to know what is ours? So whenever the enemy or may I say the government of Satan wants to come against us, now you realize that these things were set up and ratified so that our government would be under control. This is why of course it is divided into the three branches. Instead of having a monarchy like a king, so a king was over the money, he was over the judicial system, he was over every bit of it. But our fathers wanted to break it up into three separate dominions or bodies and they would have checks and balances by which they would check out each one. So the presidential aspect can only go so far. The executive branch. Congress controls the, the purse strings and boy they ain't doing a very good job with it are they? Them strings is way out of hand. And then we've got the judicial side of it so each one of them checks out the other. Well most of us we just say here today we don't show what our rights are and we say well if I ever get in trouble, I guess I'll Google it. I guess I'll look at it. I guess I'll do that. Well, you know, in the natural sense, that might hold you over. Now, hopefully, you'll, none of you will ever have to look up your Bill of Rights. And you'll never be prosecuted in a wrong way. But I wonder how many people in America are done so every year. Framed. Oh, Brother Donnie, we live in a free nation. Free from what? Look around, friends. Our nation is busted. Our nation is more divided than it's ever been. Our nation is at war within itself. Our enemies perceive it. Our enemies look at Korea, look at Iran, look at China, look at what they're doing. What's it a sign of? A weak leader in the White House and wickedness in among the nation itself. My goodness, here we go. But yet, I would like the devil to know, as long as I I'm here as your pastor. I want a group of people here who know their rights as children of God. I want you to be able to know that if sickness comes your way, 
that you'll be able to know you have a God-given right to be able to call for the elders of the church and they can lay hands on you and you will be delivered. That if oppression comes your way, that you know you have a right. I don't have to live this way. I don't have to live sad all of my life. I don't have to live down, depressed, and weary. I can have joy in the midst of trouble. I can be happy even in the middle of the biggest test I've ever been through in my life. You know, as the people of God, if we do not know our rights, Satan will push us around, as the prophet said it over and over again, that we live so far beneath our God-given privileges, he called it. And what is a privilege? A privilege is a right when it becomes endorsed. Now, you see, it's part of our inalienable rights as American citizens. Now, you may not even, if you have some type of legal situation, you may not be able to even afford an attorney and you couldn't go down there and get some guy in Elizabethan or some in Johnson City but if you cannot afford one in your bill of rights there is a provision for you to be able to have legal representation well you see I could not afford an attorney that would go before the presence of almighty God for me I couldn't afford one neither could you there was not enough money there was not enough merits there was nothing I could ever do or you could ever do to be able to get an attorney. So the court appointed me one. The divine court in heaven appointed me an attorney. Who was it? The judge himself became our attorney. So he knew we would never be able to have a way to stand against the powers of darkness. So he come to the earth in order to become our attorney that he could set us free from the bondage of sin. Praise the Lord. And then after that, he didn't sit down and stop and say, okay, now I've saved you all. Y'all just try to go through life as best you can and you'll struggle here and there and don't call on me because I'm really busy I'm making a lot of streets of gold and I'm making gates of pearl and I got a lot of things to do up here in heaven but you understand the gates of pearl have already been hung the streets of gold. Now, according to what the prophet tells us in 1965, before he left the earth, the gates of pearl had already been created. Streets of gold had already been made. And actually, the inhabitants of that city, the angels of God, are awaiting breathlessly for us as the people of God to come into that place. So it's not like that he's there still working on the city. Apparently, according to what the prophet saw, it must have already been done. So it's been done since 1965. Praise the Lord. And it's been waiting for you and I as the people of God. Now think whenever the Lord God called us to himself that he wanted to equip us. Now how many of you kids spent all your school years in the first grade? Really? I mean some of you wasn't 17 years old and still in the first grade. Wow. Wow. Well, why would we want to do that spiritually? Why would we want to grow no farther in the knowledge of God? Why would we be totally satisfied and just talking about the blood and we're saved and we're saved and we're saying, hey, I've been saved most of my life, but I need more than that to be able to fight the devil. I've got to know my rights. 
Somebody help me to know what my rights are, what's given to me as a believer. Just salvation alone. So I hunker down and let the devil kick me and stomp me and treat me like a piece of trash. And then I wait here my whole life and I die and I soar off into heaven. So that's what salvation done for me. Salvation purchased me from the devil's hand and then he leaves me on the side of the road as it was being a homeless child of God, an aimless child of God, a child of God with no motive, a child of God with no purpose, a child of God with no desire to never move one step further than just getting saved. I'm sorry, but that's not who I am. Well, no, I'm not sorry either. I am called of God to venture off. But Brother Donnie, you're an old man. You don't have to tell me that. I know that already. But I'm wondering right now how much more higher heights there is for me in Christ Jesus. I wonder how much more, Brother Harvey, that we can understand by the grace of God. Anybody with me? How many wants more? You know what that proves? There's more for you. Let us go to some of our rights this morning. Matthew chapter 3, verse 11. Notice what the Bible says here. I indeed, John the Baptist, baptize you with water into repentance, but he that cometh after me is mightier than I, whose shoes I'm not worthy to bear. He shall baptize you with the Holy Ghost and with ashes. Oh, okay, so we, we don't practice Ash Sunday here. We practice Fire Sunday. Fire Wednesday, Fire Monday in the youth service, Fire Thursday on the youth service. We don't practice ashes. We want fire. What is ashes? It's a sign of where a fire was. Well, my grandpa told me how they used to do this and that. My mother told me they used to have a move of God, but that ain't gonna do us no good. Well, I remember, boy, boy, I remember when I was a little boy, we used to have a fire. We don't believe in Ash Sunday. We want fire here at our church. Now, is this our right? You answer me. Is this our right? Do we want our children to have the same Holy Ghost and fire that fell on the day of Pentecost? Or do we want them just to have an ash experience? I don't. He shall baptize you with the Holy Ghost and with fire. So it's going to be something that's going to baptize you in to a dynamo of fire. That fire was in you, will motivate you, it will clean you, it will keep you. Oh, praise the Lord. Notice St. John 14, 16, I will pray the Father and he shall give you another comforter that he may abide with you forever. Even the spirit of truth whom the world cannot receive. Now if there's a sinner here in the, in the building today, we certainly welcome you to this service and we will offer if you need prayer, we'll certainly do that for you that you can receive Christ as your Savior. But what Jesus is talking about here but the Paul is not that a sinner can come up and receive the baptism of the Holy Ghost. Jesus said the world cannot receive this. But the sinner comes up and receives Christ as Savior repentance and then he's baptized for remission of sin then that makes him a candidate for the right of the indwelling presence of God. God will not get in a sinner's heart. 
So the sinner must be saved, sanctified, baptized, amen. And then God wants to come in him. Now listen, he says, but ye know him. Now he tells us why the world cannot receive it too. Because it seeth him not, neither knoweth him. But ye know him, for he dwelleth with you, which was the Lord Jesus, and shall be in you. Now he's going to change from the Son of Man form to the Son of God form, which is the Spirit, Holy Spirit. Notice, I will not leave you comfortless. I will come to you. So here is our comforter, St. John 16, 13. Howbeit, when he, the spirit of truth, has come, he will guide you into just enough truth to get you saved, and then all the rest are truths that won't really matter. All truth. So every person who truly has the Holy Ghost will have a hunger for all truth. He will guide you into all truth for he shall not speak of himself but whatsoever he shall hear that shall he speak and he will show you things to come. Again, Acts 2.38. Then Peter said unto them, repent and be baptized every one of you in the name of Jesus Christ for the remission of sins and ye shall receive the gift of the Holy Ghost. Now, is this a right? Well, I'm not sure it's for me. Now, you know what you're allowing? You're allowing your enemy to talk you out of your right to the Holy Ghost. Well, I'm not good enough. That's not what he said. Well, I've done a lot of things wrong. He knew that. The first part of that verse covers what you've done wrong. The first part of that verse covers being born in sin. It covers your lying. It covers all that sort of thing. And then the first part of the verse opens up a way for the second part of the verse that you can receive the gift of the Holy Ghost. You know, Brother Bram talks about it there and actually had the service in 1959 on the Holy Ghost series and he talked about his sister Dolores and how that she went up to pray and pray, praying at home and she's telling Brother Branham about, you know, when she'd go to pray for the Holy Ghost, how she'd get tired or she'd get sleepy or all kinds of things would happen. What he said, well, that's the devil. That's the devil trying to stop you. Now, we do not believe we have to come to an altar and tarry as we say. All it takes is us opening our heart and the spirit of God getting everything out of the way and you acknowledging anything that's wrong in your life so the Holy Ghost can fill you. How long do I have to stay there Brother Donnie? Ten days? Five days? Five minutes would be a long time if you're really ready. You understand it don't take God five minutes to give you the Holy Ghost. It don't take him a minute. As long as he comes to and expects the box car and he sees that everything is laid out of the way and then he fills us with the Holy Ghost, pulls the door down, slams it shut, puts the seal on the door and says, you're good to go, boy. You're good to go, girl. From here right on to heaven, you're good all the rest of the journey. Yeah, I wonder how many of our people sitting here today and they don't feel like they have the Holy Ghost. Well, why? Well, I've tried and I've tried and I've tried. I get so discouraged. It's your right. 
So what if you stand outside and the police officer stands outside? I'll tell you what. You were standing there worshiping God. You ain't allowed to do that. Well, according to who, sir? According to me. I say you can't do it. So you're going to say, well, okay, I won't come back to church no more. All right, well, I don't worship no more. Or you're going to stand there and say, you know what? Our pastor just told us about the ratification of the Bill of Rights. As an American citizen, I know what my rights are. As a matter of fact, if you tell me I can't worship, I think I'll turn right around and go back in and just go ahead and scream and holler right now to prove to you I know this is my rights and this is my church and this is my Lord Jesus and it is my time to worship him. Or would you get in your car and say, well, that policeman told me I couldn't do it. I mean, he's a policeman. He had a 9mm stuck on his side. He had a badge on. He had a bulletproof vest. He had a fancy cap on top of his head. I mean, his clothes were just armed to crease in the British leg. He had one of them cop cars that was a real siren and a real horn and everything. I don't care how real it is. Your own bill of rights tells you that you have a right to freedom of religion. Look, if you want to believe Humpty Dumpty is God, the American Bill of Rights gives you that right. You've got a right as an American citizen. If you want to preach Humpty Dumpty is coming for you the second time, that's up to you. A policeman cannot stop you. How much more should we as the people of God? We're not preaching a bunch of fables. We're not preaching a bunch of Disney makeup, but we're preaching the word of God that God himself has proven over and over again. Should not we as the people People of God stand shoulder to shoulder and say it is our right to worship God. It is our right to live for him. It is our right to be the saints of God. It is my right to be his bride. Oh my goodness. I wonder how far this promise goes then. Verse 39. For the promise is unto you and to ah as many even as many as the Lord our God shall call how many was called by God ah you got a right to the Holy Ghost but you'll fight discouragement you'll fight weakness you'll fight all kinds of things but you got to keep on hammering. And then believe me, they will not move out of your way just because you say, I've got a promise. It's in my bill of rights and you think the devil's just going to swoon. Oh. You think the devil's just going to grab his kerchief and rub his brow and say, oh, I'm blown away. They have told me their bride. Oh, demons, let's go back to hell. Let's just go back down and leave them alone. Because now that knucklehead preacher stood up there and told them they've got a bill of rights. And they think now because he's told them they're going to turn hell upside down. No, we know better than that. We know we'll fight to do it. But we are going to turn hell upside down. We just ain't going to do it in a day. But we will do it. As a matter of fact, I'd like to remind the devil today, when he exists no more, we will still be shouting and praising God through eternity. When there is no more cancer, when there is no more sadness or depression, when there is no more discouragement, you and I will always be in the presence of God. But it's because we stood for our rights down here. 
Notice with me in Ephesians 1, 13. In whom ye also trusted after that ye heard. Now watch, watch the, the divine protocol of the new birth. And whom ye also trusted after that ye heard the word of truth, the gospel of your salvation. In whom also after that you believed, you were sealed with the Holy Spirit of promise. Oh my goodness, you mean you didn't get it when you believed? You understand that makes the majority of Christian preachers today false? Because they teach their people they got it when they believe. That's not the way Paul believed it. This is our right, Brother Joel Brown. This is our inalienable right to have it just like this. After our young people believe, after whoever here today believes, then you have a right to the Holy Ghost. It's your inalienable right. Oh, thank God. Well, let me just go ahead and bring down one more. I've got time for another one. There's one right here that's a very controversial right. Uh, And I understand why. Because Satan would love to make a mimic of Christ's church. But it's the right to be like the original church. Because like begets like. So it is our right to have Word of Life Church to be in the pattern of the original church in Acts 2. And they believe it. Notice this from the church age book. I know you're familiar with this. An unchanging God, but unchanging ways. What he did at the first, he will have to keep on doing until it is done for the last time. How many believes that? So once God ever started in the dispensation of grace, dealing with the first human being after the cross, then God has to deal with every other human being from that span of time right there in 33 AD on up to 2050, 2075, 2130, 2890, however far it goes, as long as the apostolic age is going on, God has to deal with every one of them the exact same way. If they are part of his body. Now, if they are church, then that's a different category at all, for sure. Notice this. He says, oh my, when God did it the first time, you'll have to keep on doing it until the last time. There will, read it. There will. Well, why do message people want to change? That's a shame. It taught years ago, denominations would be the only one that want it, but not anymore. A lot of our message folks want to change it, which is so sad. It's not surprising, really, because Satan knows that there's a word that has returned the faith back to the original apostolic fathers. You see, we must be tried by that word after we've been restored. We could not be faithful bride if we're not. Or you sound like they're going to say, oh, I believe it. Then the Lord Jesus, so as soon as every member believes it, I'll take them out of here. Oh, no. They'll believe it, and then they'll be tried to see if they still believe it after the trial. Well, praise the Lord. I'm going to be found standing and saying, I still believe the same thing. 
I still believe. Now notice there will never be a change. Apply that to the church ages. The kind of man that God chose for the first church age and how God manifested in that man's ministry would be the example of all other ages. What God did in the first church age, he wants to do in all other ages. And that includes ours. Now we know exactly from the word which was recorded by the Holy Spirit how the first or the original church was founded, how that God manifested himself in her. The word can't change or be changed because the word is God. Thus, what the church was at Pentecost is the standard. This is the pattern. There is no other pattern. Glory. No matter what the scholars say. Now, when the church age book was written, there wasn't hardly any message scholars. But it was all Baptist, Methodist, Church of Christ, Church of God, and all that sort of thing. But now we've been around so long with the message that we've got message scholars. Now, what is a scholar? It's a person who studies and studies and applies themselves and studies the word. So now we've got message scholars saying what the denominational scholars said in 1965. I'll tell you one thing. I sure hate to know that was my identification. I'm lining up with, lining up with the denominational preachers. Well, praise the Lord. Call me Pentecost if you want to. I'd rather be called that than Church of Christ. I'd rather be called that than an anti-word scholar. Mm. Notice this. Now he says, there is no other pattern. My, my, my. God so then manifested himself and there's no other pattern. God has not changed the pattern. What God did at Pentecost, he has to keep right on doing until the age is closed. Though the scholars may tell you the apostolic age is over. What? Don't believe it. Ah, don't believe it. Such a statement is wrong on two accounts. First of all, it is wrong to suppose that there aren't any more apostles just because the original 12 are dead. An apostle means a sent one. And there are many sent ones today, but they're called missionaries. As long as men are being called and sent forth with the word of There is an apostolic age. You mean right here today? In April 2023, there is an apostolic age going on? Well, how many of y'all is glad to be apostolic? I'm talking about denominational now. I'm talking about original apostolic doctrine. Praise the Lord. As long as men are being called and sent forth with the word of life, there is an apostolic age going on. Secondly, they refer to an age of manifested Holy Ghost power as being over since the Bible has been completed. This is untrue. Now, of course, a lot of the message scholars, they say, well, you know what? God can't do it no more because Brother Branham in here. Oh, I, I guess I didn't realize Hebrews 13, 8 was Brother Branham. I thought Hebrews 13, 8 was Jesus. My bad, I guess, huh? Oh, I, I thought that's what my Bible said. Here, I've been reading the scripture for almost all of my life. And I thought my Bible said Jesus Christ, the same yesterday, today, and forever. 
not William Branham, not Ormond Neville, not Paul, not Peter, not James, but Jesus Christ, the same yesterday, today, and forever. Notice he said there's not one scripture that suggests, but many conclusively state, otherwise here is our proof, both of these charges are false. Uh Uh-oh. So now he relates to this to being a charge. So someone is standing here making a charge, like a legal statement. So you all, if you worship, if you sing, if you clap your hands and your pastor prays for people and they shout and some of them may even fall out, you all are a bunch of Pentecostals. And you know, Donnie Reagan has always been a Pentecostal. As a matter of fact, one of the great leaders of the message years ago said that I was the greatest enemy that the message had. I thought, no, I wasn't the greatest enemy the message had. I was one of the greatest enemies the devil ever had. (laughs) How many wants to be one of them? How many wants to be an enemy to the devil? Oh, oh, you said it's because you was in Pentecost. Oh, no. Let me tell you something. If I, what I saw in Pentecost, did I see some real stuff? Yes, I did. But I also saw the office bunch of false stuff that ever was. And I don't want none of that. I don't want none of that that was off the word. But that is only a Satan trying to make a scarecrow to put in front of people. And you know as well as I know, all it takes is two or three people in a church and you watch them get in the flesh a little bit and get out of the way and it will hinder the move of God because others will sit there and say oh no, oh no, oh no. You mean you are going to let somebody with an overzealous desire hinder you from worshiping God? Brother Donnie, have you ever seen people in the flesh? Yep, I sure have. I've seen them get in the flesh. I've seen them do things they shouldn't have done. But the prophet of God said he'd rather have a little bit of wildfire than no fire at all. If you've got wildfire, you can't tame it down, but if you ain't got nothing but ashes. You know what you do when you blow on ashes? You blow them away. Well, I'd rather not get in the flesh. Honey, I hate to be the one to tell you, but you've been in the flesh since the day you took your breath. I'm worried about getting out of it, not getting in it. Oh, well, I'll tell you one thing. I've seen some of the people and I've been streaming some of the services here and there and there. Lord, have mercy. Them people screaming, hollering. Them people down at the youth camp, they was jumping and shouting. Somebody told me they even had speaking in tongues going on down there. Yeah, I was one of them. And I do not apologize. I do not apologize that God healed the sick. I do not apologize that God changed the lives of some of those young people. I do not apologize that God God gave some of them the Holy Ghost. I do not apologize that lives were changed. Were some of them in the flesh? Yes, they were. But at least they were worshiping and they didn't think they was in the casket. Some people come to church and they're like an Egyptian. They're mummified. Any of y'all ever seen them mummies up close? Man, you're talking about a pitiful deal. 
that old skin three or four thousand years old laying there. Oh my goodness. Standing there holding their scepter or whatever were just laying there like that. They ain't got to move about them at all. It reminds me of some of these dead dry church up oh my church members that ain't got no move of the Holy Ghost. They ain't felt a chill in 30 years. They ain't felt a twitch. They ain't felt nothing. My goodness since after the night they got saved and they want to point their finger at somebody that's trying to do something for God. I wish somebody would hear me this morning. We've got our rights. Let me tell you something friend. On the day of Pentecost the Bible didn't say that they come out of their sitting like this. You imagine them looking and said, these men are drunk. Imagine old Fitz, Fritz rather, when Brother Bram needed a skunk. And he come up on that wood pile where that skunk was. And old Fritz is there quivering and shaking. He thought, oh, oh, I don't want to do it. I don't want to do it. You imagine what old Fritz had done, Brother Jack, and Brother Bram looked at him and went. Fritz had looked back and said, is that all you've got, Bill? The sorriest rotten stinker I know is the devil. And some of you folks come to church and folks around the message and the poor preacher has studied and labored and fought all hell to bring you a sermon. And what you do is sit there and nod. Some of you get wild and do this. Well, glory. I don't mind telling you, sometimes I feel about like a dog, <laughs> but I could use a little encouragement every now and then. But I don't want you to send me a text when I'm preaching. I want you to say, go ahead, get him. Come on, Brother Donna, preach. I'm with you, I'm behind you. Come on, tell the truth. Preach the word, preach deliverance so my daughter can get the Holy Ghost. Preach the power of God so my son can get the Holy Ghost so my baby can be healed, so this cancer can get out of my body. Oh, hallelujah, it is our right. It is our right. Oh my. Notice he reads the scripture that we read in Acts 238, 39. I'll just skip over it since we read it already. The promise of power with which the apostles were endued at Pentecost is to you Jews and to your children, Jews, and them that are far off, Gentiles, until he stops calling the Pentecostal. If you take the word Pentecost out of this message, you are taking away from what God's prophet taught. Until he stops calling the Pentecostal message and power. Say it with me, will not cease. What the church had at Pentecost is her inalienable. 
right. Glory to God. This is what the word inalienable right means. Inalienable right refers to the rights that cannot be surrendered, sold, or transferred to someone else. Hallelujah. I want you to have your blessing, but you ain't getting mine. Brother Paul, I want you to have yours. Brother Jim, I want you to have yours, but you ain't getting mad. I'm a little bit selfish when it comes to the blessings of God. I want everything that's got my name wrote on it. Oh, praise the Lord. I'm not gonna go through God's list. I don't wanna do this. I don't wanna shout like that. I don't wanna jerk like that. I'll say, Lord, pour it out on me. If I need to jerk, maybe I need to jerk some of the nonsense out of me. If I need to shout, maybe I need to kill some of my pride. I want everything that's mine. Listen, this is your right, not only as a church body, but as an individual. It's your inalienable right to refer rights that cannot be surrendered, sold, or transferred to someone else, especially a natural right such as the right to own property. However, these rights can be transferred with the consent of the person possessing the rights. So our inalienable rights, hell cannot take them. Demons cannot take them. The only one that can transfer your inalienable rights is you. Well, high blood runs in my family. I guess I'll go in to go to the doctor and get on high blood pressure meds. Cancer runs in my body, my, my family, it's in my DNA. My whole family has been bothered by lust. I guess I might as well just give in to it. Get me a smartphone and start surfing the internet and going to this website and that website. My grandpa done it, my daddy done it, my mama done it, I guess I'm doomed. You just transferred your inalienable rights to the devil. You forfeited your right to be free from pornography. You forfeited your right to be healed. You forfeited your right to have peace that passes understanding because you're looking at your family tree or your DNA or your past. Well, I fell so many times. I've messed up. I've done this and other. And tell me, what has that got to do with your destiny? Tell me what your past has got to do with your future. Tell me what your failures has got to do with the promise of God that lays before you now. You keep looking at your past. You'll never move beyond your past. Your past will control you. It will haunt you. It will produce nothing but a failure. But you've got to look at your future, you've got to look at your destiny, you've got to look at the promise of God as an inalienable right. These rights can be transferred. So if some of y'all was a millionaire and somebody come up and say, hey, I want that money. Oh, okay. Well, all right. I don't want to cause no trouble. Okay. 
I'll meet you at the lawyer's office tomorrow. I'll sign it over. You better do it. Yes, sir. Yes, sir. You know, I'll come looking for you. Oh, yes, sir. Yes, sir. Of course, you didn't get it at the lottery because Christians don't play that. Ooh. Well, I guess apparently some do. <laughs> so that thief tells you, meet me at such and such at 10 o'clock. Yes, sir. Yes, sir. I'm going to get you if you don't. Yes, sir. You mean to tell me? Y'all are going to do it? Lord, have mercy. Some of you wouldn't do it for a dime. Some of you so tight, you squeak whenever you walk. There ain't no way in the world you're going to give up a million dollars. Lord, have mercy. And yet you'll give away healing. You'll give away peace. You'll give away your right to happiness as a child of God. you give away your right to a Holy Ghost-filled marriage and a Holy Ghost-filled family and a home on this earth. Listen, I believe God wants our homes to be a little touch of heaven. I don't think it's pleasing to God when parents argue. I don't think it's pleasing to God when husbands and wives get into big debates. Oh, oh, here we go again. And arguing and fussing and fighting, you are relinquishing your right to a peaceful home. So y'all meet me with the lawyer's office tomorrow? If I was you, I'd go to Duncan and go through the dresser. Or go through Bojangles and get you a ham biscuit or something like that. And say, let me tell you something. If I meet that rascal again, I'll tell him, if you bother me again, I'm calling the cops on you. Because I go to church with some police brothers. Ah, you see, we ain't just got a promise. We've got a power of enforcement. That boy may come back to your house the next day. That man may knock on your door. Hey, you didn't show up. No, and furthermore, I ain't doing it. If you don't get out of here, I'm calling 911 on you right now. So you see, the prophet of God teaches us in the restoration of the bride tree in 1962 that there is a power to enforce what God's given us. And a lot of that enforcement is gonna be based upon your authority as a believer that you recognize, I don't have to bow down to this devil. I do not have to give in to this devil. I've got a right. Come on, Holy Ghost, back up your word. Back up your word. I don't have to deal with this bunch of nonsense. Let's finish this quote, can we? Hebrews 2, 1 to 4. Therefore, we ought to give the more earnest heed to the things which we have heard lest at any time we should let them slip. For if the word spoken by angels would steadfast in every transgression and disobedience to the word received a just recompense of reward, how shall we escape if we neglect so great salvation, which was at the first began, now listen to this, spoken by the Lord and was confirmed unto us by them that heard him, God also bearing them witness, both with signs and wonders and diverse gifts, diverse miracles and gifts of the Holy Ghost according to his will. That original church was not organized by men. It was led by the Holy Ghost. It wasn't very big. It was hated and despised. It was oppressed. It was persecuted unto death, but it was true to God. It stayed with the original word pattern. 
because of the unchanging God with unchanging ways, we can go back to the beginning and see the first and perfect act of God and then judge by that. That's your standard, brother, sister. This is how it's done. The true church will always, always try to be like the original at Pentecost. The true church of today will try to approximate that early first one. Oh, praise the Lord. Is there anybody here that believes this? You have to work from the original. Jump down in there about three quarters of the way in there. As light begets light, the true church will always be the one that tries to follow in the steps of her founders at Pentecost. And her messengers will follow the apostle Paul, the first messenger to the first church age. It is as simple and that wonderful. It is that simple and that wonderful. Is it wonderful to you? My brothers and sisters, I present to you today another portion of your bill of rights. Hallelujah. Let's bow our heads together. Lord Jesus, we thank you for your word. I don't mind saying and being honest, it would be much easier if we just said, well, you know what? It's just a lot of trouble and it's a lot of work to kick against the system. It's just, it just ain't worth it. So we compromise here and we compromise there and we say, well, you know, maybe we are a little emotional. Maybe we are a little upset and we just get nervous and get worked up. So maybe we all need to settle down a little bit. And when we go to church, we, we don't do no worship. We don't do no clapping of our hands. And maybe that'll encourage the preacher to go from an hour 15 or hour 20 or whatever it is down to about 10 minutes. And we've got this nice big fellowship hall on the other side. And we'll start having less church time and more basketball time and more fellowship time. And we'll start bringing maybe donuts and coffee so we can all go over there and talk about how much we owe, how much we own, how much we're worth. It might be easier on the flesh, but Lord, we know in the long run that is the way of death. Our building, our facility is not designed with fellowship with one another being the main principle. It's fellowship with you in your presence where you can change our lives. That first church died. Many of them eat by lions, 
animals tore their guts out of them. Many of them, their heads were chopped off. They were treated awful, slaughtered, as Psalm said, and then Paul quoted it, slaughtered as sheep. But they held true. Who were we then to go sliding in in this carefree age of Laodicea, wanting to be burden-free and trouble-free? Lord God, I don't. I'm not a fool. I'm not asking for trouble to come my way. But neither am I asking for a flower bed of ease. How could I stand up and look at men like Paul? How could I stand up, Lord, and look at those men? How can some of these politicians, how could those who are in the White House and Congress and Senate stand before John Quincy Adams, Thomas Edison? What would those men say about our leaders today that are nothing but compromisers. Whatever the people want, let them have it. Give it to them. Oh, how our forefathers would roll over in their grave, as we'd say. Well, what about our forefathers of the faith? Peter, James, John, Paul. What about our own church-age messenger? How would he feel to walk into churches? And a lot of them don't even believe in preachers no more. Those many of them that do believe in preachers don't believe that Jesus is the same. I wonder if Brother Branham could come and preach a sermon in every message church if he would indict the denominations or indict us. Help us, Lord God. Help us, Lord God. We want to be like that true church. All the times have changed. If Peter and James would walk in this place today, they'd be overwhelmed, I'm sure. They would walk in Brother Tim's church, many churches around the world that have their own building and their own property. They would no doubt say, what is all this stuff? They'd see them screams and the words there. They'd look at these instruments and say, what's that big long black thing? Oh, Paul, that's a piano. What's that other thing? It's, it's an organ. What's them things are beating on? Them's drums. What's that thing with them six strings? It's a guitar. But I hope there would be one thing they would identify with, our preaching, our saints, living right, dressing right, saying amen to the word. No doubt Paul might in one way feel uncomfortable being in a church this size and among this many people since at the Crete Corinthian church and the church at Ephesus, Average would run between 12 and 20. He might feel uncomfortable getting up here to stand before all these people today, but I hope he'd feel so comfortable looking out there and preaching about the deity of Christ and seeing these young people raising their hands and say, praise God. I hope he'd look around at some of us in our 40s, 50s, 60s, and whatever more, and we would react the same way. The Holy Ghost fell on them there at the upper coast of Ephesus when he went there and said, how are you all baptized? I said, oh, John baptized us. He said, that won't work in this day. You gotta be baptized in the name of the Lord Jesus. And when he baptized them, then laid hands on them, they were filled with the Holy Ghost. I hope Paul would feel so comfortable that he could say, any of you young people here today, any of you older people need the Holy Ghost. And Paul could lay his hands on them and watch the Holy Ghost fall on them afresh like it did 2,000 years ago. That's the kind of church we want, Lord. Hallelujah.
We're not looking for some spot in the Johnson City Press. New church built. Look at the fancy pictures. Look at the pretty lights. Look at this. We don't care if our picture ever gets in the newspaper. We don't care, Lord God, if anybody thinks it's the most beautiful building. What difference does that make to us? We want it to be a place where the Holy Ghost is welcome. We want it to be a place where the angels of God can come down and walk among us, Lord. Oh, Jesus, it's our right, our inalienable right. I, for one, will fight for it. I will fight hell. I will fight false doctrine. Give me strength. Give me wisdom. Give me courage, Lord. Hallelujah. How many of you would raise your hand with me here today and say, Lord, let me stand. I may not be a preacher, but Lord, let me stand behind the men of God that are fighting. I'll swear allegiance to Jesus Christ. I pledge my allegiance to the Lamb of God. Hallelujah. I will stand and forfeit my rights to be a Laodicean. I will forfeit my rights to dressing, acting, and behaving like the world. I will pledge my allegiance to the Lamb of God. Lord, help me as long as I can as an American citizen. I was never able to serve in our armed services, yet many of our people have. Lord, may I say to them, I thank them today. Not only those that are alive, but those who gave and paid the ultimate sacrifice. They gave their life, yet many of them lived, but they come home scarred for life. Trauma, all kinds of things they still deal with to this day. Lord, we give credit to those today for doing that. Not only those who fought in our armed services, but Lord God, those men of God that have fought for the truth. How we long to stand there and shake Luther's hand, Wesley's hand, Knox, Calvin, many of those men at that day that stood there, Father, to proclaim what truth they had so we'd be able to stand here today and say that we are a people who have a restored faith. We worship you, Lord Jesus. What about the children? Are we willing to stand beside Paul and Luther and Wesley and Knox and many of those men that gave their lives for the cause? Oh my, won't it be something when we stand there that day and the people of this age will stand there with the prophet of God of our age and he will present us as trophies of his ministry to the Lord Jesus Christ. Oh, praise God. You'll be so glad then that you stood for your rights. Now the Lord Jesus will stand and say to us, children, well done. You stood for me. Now I will stand for you. Praise the Lord. Praise the Lord. Thank you, Lord Jesus. How many has a need today in your heart, your home, your life? physical, spiritual, financial, whatever it is. Oh, praise the Lord Jesus. We worship you, Lord. I'm gonna offer prayer for you, but it doesn't mean that that thing will totally leave you. Now, keep in mind, when it may leave you right now, but it doesn't mean it won't try to come back on you and aggravate you, but you've been taught your rights. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Lord God, I bring my people before you. You see their needs, Lord. 
It's our inalienable rights. When the devil attacks us and we're in the line of duty to be healed. Lord, I pray for the sick right now. Dear God, I pray for Michael Carter. Lord, you see our brother having a real battle in his body. Lord, tried to take the chemo a couple of times and working against him. Not even strong enough to be able to come to church. May the Spirit of God move for our brother today. Lord, I pray before we get over to Brother Michael's house, we'll pass through Jonesville, Virginia. Brother Homer, Sister Ruby Blanket, both of them needing a touch today, Lord. Father, we call each one of us the names of our friends, our loved ones. Lord God, may the angels of the Lord be dispatched about these different places to meet the needs of your children. Lord God, I hope they don't get tired of it, but I want to call Erica's name again today, Father. Lord, you see her been dealing with these shingles for the last three weeks on top of whatever else she's been dealing with. Lord, these things have really caused you a lot of pain. Lord God, as your church, we agree together in the name of Jesus. May these things leave our body. Satan, you're a liar. We are God's people and on his authority. Take your hands off of these people. Father, there's many more that I haven't mentioned my name, but that's the ones that come to my mind. But right now, Lord, in this building, no doubt there's many, many that have requests on their hearts. We join our hearts together now, Father, on the promise of your word in the name of Jesus. May the angels of the Lord pass through this building today, bring healing, bring deliverance, bring peace. Lord, if there's some without the Holy Ghost, may it stick to them right now. It's in my bill of rights. I've repented, I've been baptized. I've got a right to be filled with the Holy Ghost. I've got a right to be healed. I've got a right to be delivered. I've got a right to peace. I've got a right to worship my God. I've got a right to be able to stand for him in this last day. I've got a right to the resurrection or the rapture, whichever his will ordains for me to be in, and there ain't nothing gonna stop me from being there. This is my church, this is my pastor, this is my message, these are my family, and there ain't enough devils in hell gonna run me off from here. Come on, saints, you know as well as I know. And when you find your position, the devil will do everything he can to discourage you from coming to the house of God. Well, people don't love me. Nobody knows my name. Well, you know what? You gotta press through that thing and say, you know what? I ain't going because people know my name. I'm going to lift my voice in the presence of the king. I'm going to let the devil know and all the people know whose side I belong on. Hallelujah. We worship you today, Lord. It is our inalienable right, and the only way, we've heard it today, that the devil can take it from us is if we let him have it. Oh God, may we make a commitment today like never before. We will never give up. We will never sign over our property to the devil. We will never give up our rights. 
we will fight to the last day till we breathe our last breath. Granted, Father, I pray in the name of Jesus. Oh, hallelujah. Praise the Lord. Praise the Lord. What do you say we exercise our God-given rights to lift up holy hands without wrath and doubting? Praise ye the Lord. Let everything that hath breath praise ye the Lord. Let the little children praise the Lord. Let the teenagers praise the Lord. Let all the rest of us praise the Lord. It is our right. It's not only our right, it is our honor. Them hands that used to hold beer and cigarettes and all types of filth of the world, but now they're holy hands because they're cleansed by the fire of God. So we can raise our hands in the presence of the king and say, Lord, we worship you this morning. We bless your name. You're our healer. You're our deliverer. You're our mighty God. Oh, praise the Lord. Anybody want to help me praise him for just a little bit before we go? Oh, Jesus, we worship you, Father. Let's sing a little something, hey? Can we just worship him a bit? I know we got a, we got a memorial service later this evening. Impress us a little bit for time, but I believe we've got time to be able to worship the Lord a little before we go. Remember, Jesus said his house would be called a house of prayer. Is that right? But we know it's also a place that there, the prophet said, where God and his people are worshiped together. God and his people are worshiped. You say, what? Worshiped together? What do you mean by that statement, Brother Don? It's quite simple if you understand what worship is. You see, it used to be in the wedding vows, in the ancient English wedding vows, by which some of your great-grandparents and maybe even some of your grandparents were married by. With thee, my body, I thee worship. So the mate, making it by the vow when they would stand there, they was giving their body to their husband or wife. And there, you understand what God does? God comes among us and God gives us of his own body word. And he's saying, my bride, this is me. Take of me. Learn of me. Take me. This is who I am. And this is who I want you to be. And God's saying, I'm giving myself to you. This is what worship is. It's not just screaming and hollering. God ain't raising his hands to you. God is not bowing, giving you obeisance. That's not all worship is. But worship is sure raising your hands and praising him. But worship is you saying, with my body, I thee worship not only on Sunday morning, but tomorrow, next day, and next day, and next day, and you keep him before you, and it helps you to not do things that you ought not do, because you realize your body belongs to the Lord. Your body is a temple of God, so with your body, you worship Almighty God. He turns right back around, and what does he do? Pulls his bride up close to him and says, sweetheart, I love you. You're mine. I bought you. I ordained you, I called you. You understand what he's doing? He is relating to you and cooing and making love to you. Oh my. Can we just take a few moments now? Brother Branham, after being down at Brother Charlie Cox's house in 1956, and Brother Charlie showed me the power line 
where this happened. There was a driveway that pulled right up in Brother Charlie's house and there was a power line that, that was right over the top of that driveway. And Brother Branham had seen two doves, two turtle doves, and they were sitting out there on that power line and they had their little necks wrapped around one another. Brother Branham had been down there in 1956. So he goes to Brooklyn, New York, and he also comes back to Jeffersonville and he begins to preach about them doves. And they were sitting there on them lines, he said, making love to one another. And he said, how God searches for cold, starchy hearts that he can be able to make love to. That God wants to come and break that old hardness about us and break that old starchy, cold thing about us and God take his neck and wrap around ours and coo to you. Brother Charlie said them little doves had sat there and the male would coo, coo, coo. And the little female would sit there and say, No, she didn't do that, but you know what she done? Coo, coo. So the male would coo and should coo back. Well, I don't know what you think about this service today, but I think he's been cooing to us. What do you say we coo back? Let's wrap our neck around his. Just take a few minutes before we go and sing, just worship him. I'm not asking you to run, jump, scream, holler, shout, jump over the the pews, turn the seats down backwards. Just wrap your neck around his, Jesus. I love you. Have I told you today how much you mean to me? A couple months, me and Carol will be married for 50 years. But you know what? I still tell her, you're the most special person. I counseled a young couple last Sunday. Carol was in there with me, and I looked over to him and told him, one of the most important things about marriage is learning to communicate yeah. and to be able to keep that harmony together even when you're facing difficult times. Right. And I said, there ain't nobody in the world I would rather spend the rest of my life with. I have absolutely this many regrets for marrying her as a 16-year-old girl. And I would marry her again if I was 16. Why? I love her. But you know what? I just didn't tell her that when we got married. A man and a woman driving down the road and they've been married for a long, long time and things got a little tough between them. And she said, you realize you ain't told me that you loved me in a long time? He said, I told you I loved you, woman. When I marriage, if it changes, I'll let you know. That's about the way a lot of folks feel about Jesus. Right. Well, I told him I loved him when I got saved. How many more times does he want to hear it? What about 85 trillion? Yeah. He wants to hear it every day of your life. He wants to hear it all through the day, all during the day. Oh my, Lord, I love you. Have I told you today I love you? Have I told you today how much I appreciate you? Oh, let's just worship him a bit. This is your house. This is your house. We come to worship you. Let's just raise our hands. Close our eyes. Just imagine it's not you and several hundred people that are here today, but it's you and Jesus sitting on the power line. He looks over at you and says, Coo, coo, I love you. I loved you before the world began. Now it's your time to answer back. Hallelujah. This is your house. Answer him now. Father, come and dwell. 
Yes, Lord. This is your house. And what is it? A holy house of prayer. Where the lost and the lonely bring their burdens and their cares. This is your house. This is your house, Jesus. This is your house. Come and wait. That's it. That's it. This is your house. Tell it. Now, not just this building. Father, this come and dwell. This one here, your tabernacle. This is this your house. This is your house. Oh, come in like never before, Lord God. Oh, holy oh, house, house of prayer. sanctuary be enthroned in the praises of your people Lord we agree in unity this is your house Father come and
God of Pentecost, let it rain. God of the Bible, let it rain. The same yesterday, today, and forever. Open the floodgates of heaven. Let it rain. Let it rain. Open the floodgates of heaven. Let it rain. Thank you, Lord God. Thank you, Lord God. place today renewed, strengthened, touched. Oh, Lord Jesus, we love you. Thank you for the day. Thank you for the hour. Thank you for the evening light that has struck each of our souls. May we represent it, Lord, as faithfully and truthfully as we can. Go with us now, Lord God. Bring us back at the appointed time, we pray. We love you, Lord. Thank you, Lord Jesus. We worship you, Father. How many can say it's been good to be in the house of the Lord? Let's give him a hand. Every 
of God. 